you can't get hired doing exactly what you want to be doing, just start doing it and, you know, build that library of work, build that experience, and then that will lead to the connections to do that kind of work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Fat Cats, where we help high-performing creative teams get even better. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. When was the last time your work inspired an entire city? Well, that's the case for John Padgett for the work he has done with Buffalo and helping Buffalo uh, come up and tell their story and help really almost an entire city start to view themselves a little bit differently. And throughout the podcast, John just shares how he is passionate about helping those, you know, kind of like mid-level cities or smaller cities who have kind of been down a little bit on, you know, that maybe have been post-Rust Belt uh, cities who are just having a hard time tell a better story about themselves and almost reinvent where they're going and present a narrative of what the future looks like. We also talk about the important role that films can play for almost helping uh, kind of a corporate confessional as as one of the videos you produced, Buffalo, America's Best Designed City, kind of talked a little bit about the mistakes that Buffalo had made. And it was almost like that process of a confessional where they had the mayor, they had a whole bunch of key stakeholders sit down and watch the story of their town that was in some ways very, it was almost like a repentance of like, oh, this is what we did wrong as a city and now this is what we need to do to move forward. I found it to be a really interesting concept of how a story can really help motivate and also help everyone move forward from what was in the past. We also explore how outsiders can come into communities and help see the beauty in a town and almost tell a better story than the people who have lived in that town the whole lives. I think in some ways this is true for photographers who are visiting a city that you can always see the beauty that other people can't see. And I think that's a very special role we have when working with communities or towns that are maybe a little down and out on kind of their own story. And there's a lot of great work we can do at helping empower people with the stories we can tell. Without further ado, here's John. Here I am sitting with John Padgett at his house uh, just south of Buffalo slightly. Um, I was in the area visiting family and decided to come up and uh, pay John a visit as John was one of the first guys that I worked with uh, or that he he hired me as a a contractor to do some shooting when I was first starting off and uh, so definitely learned a lot from him. And, uh, you know, almost, almost 10 years later, uh, not quite, I was like, uh, wanted to catch up a little bit with John and hear about some of the, the great work that he's doing. I know he's, uh, done some stuff that has really caught the attention of the people in Buffalo. And, um, you know, he had a, a, a video that was titled, was it, um, Buffalo America's best design city. Is that That's what, right. Uh, and had a, over a million views on YouTube. Um, and I know he's done a lot in the city. And so just here for a conversation about that and his company, First Main Media, and what the logo is, there's kind of the slogan is what it's stories that can transform a city. A story can change a city. A story can change a city. And uh, Buffalo has definitely been a city that's gone through a bit of change. Um, but let's let's go back a little bit. So I know you, you start out, you grew up in Olympia or spent a lot of time there in Olympia across the country. Correct. I grew up in Olympia, Washington. And I moved to Buffalo to, in fall of 2005. Okay, fall of 2005. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that you you had, um, I guess, just, just hadn't been there that long when we met in like 2010. So I guess, would it be, yeah, I've been five years. Yeah, I, I felt like I was still kind of fresh here. And I remember when you you had just finished college and come up here, right? Yeah, yeah I just finished yeah. college and came and up so here. So we, we shot a few projects yeah, here. No. Um, 
I think I, I think I still occasionally see like a few clips um, from projects that we shot. Yep, made it eventually into some of the some of the other films. That's always fun to right. see. But what was it about Buffalo that that attracted you? That made you move like across country? You know, uh, so many people have asked that, um, especially people here in Buffalo. <laughs> Why did you come here? Um, and I think it was just a little bit of my personality is wanting to take sort of the road less traveled. And at that time, um, you know, in Olympia, there were people, well, they were moving to Portland, Oregon, or LA, or New York City, or Brooklyn. And, and I had been to Buffalo and had friends here. And so I, I was looking to move, and I was kind of considering from among those choices. And it was just sort of like, well, no one's going to Buffalo, so I'll go. So it just seemed like that just appeals to me. Is the, the, the road less traveled. The like. road less traveled. And kind of the underdog, too. I mean, um, Buffalo at that time was still very much a moribund, rust belt city. You know, when I got here, I was kind of asking people, you know, when did Buffalo really hit its low point in its, sort of its rust belt post-industrial decline? And most people were saying, well, it hasn't hit bottom yet. It's still, we're still going down. So, um, but I just had an, an inkling, an idea that as a storyteller, I could come here and help. I just had this instinct that if I was planted here, rooted here, I could tell stories that could somehow help the city. And um, I have been lucky enough that that has just come true in spades. I mean... I've had great opportunities here to tell Buffalo's story and I think make an impact on how Buffalo sees itself and how the world sees Buffalo. Absolutely. So, so once you first came to the city, um, what was that process like of connecting with people and um, connecting with clients in terms of in that the space? I know eventually you were doing a lot of work for you know, Visit Buffalo Niagara, but what was that journey like of, of getting to meet them? That happened because I, I did have a mutual friend in Olympia that had, that had grown up in Buffalo. And so he introduced me to some of his friends that were here in Buffalo. And one of them, Nelson Starr, I worked with and collaborated on a sort of a contest pitch video uh, that Anthony Bourdain's uh, TV show held, where you would pitch Anthony, what city in the world would you like to travel with Tony and show him? And we created a pitch video that basically said, we'd like to show you our hometown of Buffalo and, you know, come here. And we ended up um, making the finals uh, in that contest and then basically being runner-up. And even though he didn't pick us as the winner, he said, you know what, I'm still going to go to Buffalo and come do an episode in Buffalo. And he did. And uh, th that whole process and that creating that work led to sort of Visit Buffalo Niagara discovering uh, and connecting with me. And they hired me to do uh, some projects for them. And that's led to, oh, I think I've worked with them for over 10 years now, producing probably 40 to 50 different films. No, that, that's awesome. Just a, this was just a series of connections with, um, you know, with people and people really new, but then at the same time doing, doing great work. I think bottom line, it was doing the work and then um, sort of getting discovered. Uh, a piece of advice I've heard is like, if you don't if you're not doing exactly what you want to be doing, if you can't get hired doing exactly what you want to be doing, just start doing it and you know build that library of work 
build that experience, and then that will lead to the connections to do that kind of work. I think that's a good rule of thumb for people in general, the creative industry, uh, like as a whole, because if whether it's a designer or web or video or writer, like no one's going to hire you to do something that they haven't seen you do already. Um, right. You know, to a certain degree, you know. Right. And the very first project that Visit Buffalo Niagara, which is our convention and visitors bureau they're they're in charge of marketing and travel and tourism for buffalo the very first film they hired me to do was about food in buffalo which came directly out of that bourdain video that we had done we had kind of proven hey we can tell food stories so then they but we've gone on to tell buffalo story from every angle architecture theater music culture so um hooking up with them and being able to produce work for them has been really just like um, a great match. No, that's awesome. So what, so what was Buffalo like in, I guess, 2005 when you came and kind of people described it as not having hit the upswing yet, you know, kind of 2005, for people who haven't been to Buffalo? Yeah, well, um, it's a Rust Belt city. It suffered what so many Rust Belt cities went through, industrial decline and poverty and joblessness of course we have reputation for notorious winners and um it just seemed like a lot of people in buffalo were walking around with a kick me sign on their back they're just sort of down on their luck and how much of that do you think has to do with uh, the bills in the 90s uh (laughs) you know it shouldn't be a part of it but it is that's just another part of it right i mean it, it actually goes all the way back to like mckinley being assassinated here and then there's this huge streak of bad luck that culminates in losing four Super Bowls in a row. And um, it's all part of the narrative that Buffalo has told itself for so long that we're just, we're always going to lose. Nothing is ever going to go right, you know? And um, so that's kind of was what I was dropped into when I moved here. I felt. Yeah. No, I think that's a pretty fair assessment um, in terms of what, what the narrative uh, was felt like, but, but then too, you know, like, a city's not going to change itself until it can tell itself a better narrative um, in terms of, like, you can't get somewhere that you can't really imagine. Um, I mean, I suppose occasionally people wonder, but especially if you're in the trenches, if you're, you know, if you're down on yourself, you're not going to get there unless you can say, hey, this is what's going to happen. So so to what extent do you find that, you know, within your work, was it about finding the beauty in, in the area? Like, what was that process like for you as, as a newcomer moving here and searching for, for beauty through your, your filming? I think it was easier for me because I was an outsider. And something that um, Buffalonians tell me a lot is, you tell our story better than we have ever been able to tell it. And I think that is largely because I was an outsider and I came with outside perspective. And... Um, have you ever tried to like write your own press release or do your own publicity? It is easier when you have someone else do that for you. For whatever reason, it's hard to do that and hard to tell your the best possible story about yourself if you're the one that has to do it. So I think that that is an asset that I brought here was just being from somewhere totally different. And I could see with fresh eyes what was really going on here and the sort of the assets and the incredible heritage here and the future um, and sort of the potential. And that's something that I now do in other cities too. Um, Because again, it's that outside eye, that fresh perspective that can sometimes tell the story better. But, but kind of going back, um, I I do want to go back to about like 
2013. Um, so I know that was several years after we um, you know, had first met. And then um, you had spent a whole bunch of hours, I don't know however many hours, uh, doing work, but you ended up releasing the, the film uh, Buffalo, the America's Greatest City or Great Design City? America's Best Design City. Best Design City. And so what was the process like for that? Because I know when you look at it, there's just so many gorgeous shots in that that piece. Um, what did it take to, to be able to compile all those those shots for that that piece? And what was the background for that that piece? Initially, the impetus for it was that the um, a conference was coming to Buffalo called the Congress for New Urbanism. And they're the world's foremost experts on urban design and planning and how to make great places, essentially. Great places to live, work, and play. And with that conference coming, we wanted to, I knew that there was interest in promoting a film that would, you know, um, promote attendance. And um, so I came up with this um, title, Buffalo, America's Best Design City, because Frederick Law Olmsted, who designed all the park system in Buffalo, when he came to Buffalo, and before he even designed his parks, he called Buffalo the best planned city in America, if not the world. And when I read that, I just thought, wow, that would be a great title because you know it's going to be controversial and surprising. Like, And so I think that that alone sort of intrigues people to watch it. But there was also a great story to tell of kind of that history of how we were such a um, intricately designed city and then sort of the mistakes that were made and then how now today's generation is kind of turning it around. So that was a story we set out to tell. And we, uh, Visit Buffalo Niagara was one sponsor. The Chamber of Commerce here, Buffalo Niagara Partnership was a sponsor as well as several other entities, foundations. So we put together um, a funding model that was unique. It wasn't just a single person, it was multiple stakeholders uh, fu- help to fund it, and that allowed us to do to have a, to have a really good budget, and to do aerial work and do in depth filming and do interviews and at a very high level, high production value. Uh, and then, about how long did it take to to be able to capture like all that that content? Um, it was about a one year project. Okay. And um, another interesting thing about it is that you know I point to it as something that. Um, now, of all the films I have done in Buffalo, and I've done, I think I mentioned, probably over 50, um, it has the most views of any of them. It has like over a million views, and that's not due to paid promotion or insertion. That was just organic YouTube views uh, when it was released in 2013. And what's interesting about that is it broke a lot of the rules of what you would typically say, oh, this is what you have to do to make it go viral. Um, number one is um, a lot of people say, oh, it's got to be short. And initially, when we build all the funding into it, we said, well, this will be a four to six minute film. We're designing this to go viral. But in the end, it was like, I think, 13 minutes. So it really um, exceeds the length at which most people think they have to be at to go viral. Um, and another thing is that it it didn't just promote Buffalo and say good things about Buffalo. It actually talked about our mistakes. It showed the mistakes. It showed uh, pieces of Buffalo that aren't pretty, that are ghetto, and and sort of the de- design decisions that were made that kind of led to that. And so there's a level of honesty and authenticity to it that I think made it very, you know, um, authentic, 
that people responded to it, people watched it, people could tell this is a real story, a genuine story. So it's just interesting that um, that has become the most watched film of all the Buffalo films because it was it was long, and and I think that that allowed it to have that story arc. No, I think that's that's a good point because especially today, I think with so much content you know out there on YouTube and everything like that, like if if you're not authentic, people are gonna smell that a mile away. Um, especially people who, with you know just social media like expectations, and so if you were just trying to paint a picture of oh, everything's ro- rosy and stuff like that. Like people are going to, they're going to know you're just making stuff up. Right. right. <laughs> you know, you're trying, you're trying to pull one over. But when you're authentic about, yeah, these mistakes that have happened and stuff like that, then people are going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, it's not, you know, obviously there have been mistakes um, that have had in terms of urban design in, in Buffalo. But when you acknowledge those, people are going to view you as more, more authentic source. Yeah. And I think that I, I encourage other cities to be courageous enough to tell their stories authentically and to show their their weak spots, to show, to not try to hide those, but to just be honest about them. Be totally honest and open about them and that you're working on them and what you're doing to work on them and make that a part of the story and don't try to gloss over it. Because where would you want to go and move or move your business or visit if you're a tourist? You know, uh, I think that we're attracted to places that uh, we're, where we can go and sort of be part of that story and immerse ourselves in that story and, and see a place that is in transition or turning around um, and a place that is honest enough and the citizens, citizenry is honest enough to admit their faults, admit their mistakes, and we're moving forward and we're going to, here's, here's the plan. Yeah, and so, and so what has happened, I guess, now, almost, almost 15 years since you moved to Buffalo, what kind of things do you see changing um, that people are excited about? There... You know, some of the things that were, that uh, the film, Best Design City, touched on, uh, the movements that are touched on in that film have really grown. So we've been putting in more bike lanes, and there's just a, a real growth in the bicycle culture here. And there are movements to um, remove and eliminate all of the major freeways that came in and destroyed Olmsted parks and cut us off from our waterfront. There are now citizen movements for every one of those freeways to get those removed or converted into parkways or boulevards. So you can see some of the impact the film has made. But beyond that, um, Buffalo's reputation nationally, I think, has started to change. And we've gotten tons of incredible press coverage, like New York Times and Wall Street Journal and major travel magazines have all been profiling Buffalo as, as one of the top places to spend a weekend or um, one of the top destinations of the year. So the positive press has really been remarkable in the last few years. No, that, that's great. And, and, and so, so I guess they're, they're wanting to reduce some of that. What is that? 190 that, that cuts right by, is it that one that cuts across the, by, right by the water? Which road is it? Or which roads are they wanting to, to eliminate? Um, the 190, 190 cuts Buffalo from the waterfront. And then the 198 cuts through, um, the Olmsted Park, along with the 33. Okay. So there's three different freeways that are kind of an issue. And then there's the Skyway that also cuts Buffalo from the waterfront in kind of the southern part of the city where I live. And, um, yeah, just just for listeners that may not know, um, the freeways kind of came in, and they, they literally ripped out the most beautiful Olmstedian parkways and replaced them with freeways. And those neighborhoods then turned – I mean, they were some of the most – historic, beautiful homes and neighborhoods right on a parkway. 
and they just turned them into instant ghetto when they plowed freeways through them. Definitely makes it when you're driving. It's it's nice to be able to driving right on um, on the lake. But yeah, for people who live here, you can't just get out of your home and walk to uh, like the waterfront to to see it because um, there's the huge freeway there. Yeah, it's harder. It's, it's definitely it's harder. harder. Yeah. But um, the good news is we're we're starting to turn some of those things around, and it's a project for our generation to fix those mistakes. Yeah, unfortunately, removing freeways isn't uh, isn't exactly an easy thing to do, but um, but I'm sure it's possible when there's enough uh, willpower. It's actually easier and it is. cheaper than maintaining them. Really? So over the long term, it's cheaper to just remove it than to continue to maintain it. And there are cities all over the world that have um, been removing freeways, Seattle, San Francisco, um, Milwaukee. So it's not unheard of. It's actually, even in Niagara Falls, they've done this. Um, there was a freeway cutting off downtown Niagara Falls from Niagara Falls itself. And they are in the midst right now of a huge project to remove that freeway. So to integrate uh, the downtown straight into Niagara Falls State Park. Oh, that, that's awesome. So we're seeing this all over the country. It's a definite trend, freeway removal, and hopefully it'll spread to Buffalo. No, oh, I def- definitely hope that too, well, especially with all the amount of you know salt and plowing they have to do. Um, I'm sure trying to do that is a, a worthwhile goal. Um, but I think that that narrative, like if you hadn't been able to acknowledge that mistake through a film and have actually publicly kind of acknowledged it, yeah, it was a mistake to cut our town in half with freeways. Like it'd be hard to have a conversation about removing them if people weren't even aware that they, that was an issue. Um, so to so what extent do you feel like the film helps sp- uh, spur that conversation on? Well, it's hard to scientifically quantify that, I get, yeah, but I do yeah. think it played a role. Okay. You know, um, and, you know, Catholics might be onto something when they, you know, their belief about confession, like it's, imp- it's an important step, you know, to fixing stuff that's wrong and improving in life. Um, and I think that goes for cities too. If we can, as a community, just acknowledge things, I think that's step one. That's, that's great. And I think that's true for, for people and along with cities too, in terms of acknowledging that. And, and I think a great way to do that is kind of like collectively when you're gathering these different voices uh, of individuals and then putting them in a film where they're publicly acknowledging it, that's in some ways, um, like I think, a, a powerful way to do that. That's Very powerful, especially in the context of if when the film is released, you have a screening and you bring the community together for that initial communal experience and watching it. Because now everyone's seeing it at the same time, experiencing that same story. And um, that's what happened here with, with the film. We screened it right down here in Larkin Square. There was a thousand people here. The mayor was here. You know, everyone saw it and sort of saw their story at the same time and realized, you know. And um, I think that's powerful. I think you're right. The, and so it is that getting people together in that space and be able to process it emotionally at the same time. I think there's something, you know, powerful about, about that. Right. Um, oh, great. So, so that's, that was awesome. Um, so, so after that, as a result of that, what has, how has your work expanded um, to include like other cities? Sure. Well, I've been hired to work in um, four other tourism bureaus producing film content. We started this creative firm called First in Maine, A Story Can Change the City. And uh, we've done a number of things. Uh, we launched a series called American Makeover, which, which tells the stories of the transformation of different cities in America. And for that, we've been to Detroit and Memphis and Atlanta and Charleston and Seaside, Florida. 
And that was partially sponsored by the Notre Dame School of Architecture. And um, so that was an interesting project that got us telling stories in other cities. Was that kind of as a result of the work here in Buffalo? I think it was... Or that piece? It was kind of sprung out of just my developing kind of lifelong passion for telling stories of cities. Um, So... Kind of go, yeah. I usually find that the nice thing about um, kind of in, in the film industry and especially kind of creative industries, it, it works really well when you get to pair it with something else that you're like passionate about. And so, in, in your case, it seems like I know you've really enjoyed just architecture, cities, and being able to see where those and filming all kind of converge, uh, you know, together and kind of being like an expert in that city planning and filming and being, you know, the person to go to when it comes to like that nexus of, of topics, right. And my, it's interesting because my very, very first documentary when I was fresh out of college was on Route 66, the famous highway. And looking back on it now, I realize it really was, it was, a, it was about um, a road. And, you know, it was a road trip type film, a travelogue. But it was also, I think more than anything, though, it was um, a story of this chain of little towns and villages and cities from Chicago to L.A., and the film really is a series of vignettes and stories of these places. And so even going back to that, that was my initial film. And even then, I think that's, that was my start with telling stories of communities and cities. That's what I just love to do. So we would arrive in a town and try to get a sense of it, try to capture its story, capture what's unique about it, and relay that in a little vignette. And um, that's when I started, and I just I've never stopped. Uh, a lot of those towns were similar to Buffalo because they had been bypassed by the freeways and they were also sort of economically hit hard by that loss of business. And so kind of telling the story of their revival and their efforts. And you can see you can see how that kind of started me on this path. Yeah, no. That's interesting in terms... I hadn't thought about that from that perspective. <laughs> I like how you framed it at first. Like, well, it's really just a, a story about a road. Like, how's that going to be? But then when you think... When we think about Route 66, you think of all the historical areas, and uh, I think I feel like Route 66 conjures up more like nostalgia for the old American driving than perhaps any other road um, name that you can think of. But I can see how that passion for you know cities and telling the story of towns that got bypassed by a big road eventually led to yeah telling stories of places like Buffalo that got bypassed by by big highways and uh, they kind of hampered their their development to a certain extent. Right. I like to say that even though you won't find it on any map this way, but for me, Route 66 led to Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it really is true. And, and Route 66, you know, as it went from Chicago to L.A., the route it took was down the main street of every town. Because back in those days, cars... Uh, weren't like cars today. They required a lot of service and maintenance and water and gas and people needed to eat and everything. So the road always went through the heart of every little downtown. And so if you take the road, that's what you'll experience. You'll be going through the courthouse squares of all these little towns. And it's really a wonderful experience. And um, yes, the open road is fun when you're just out in the desert. But um, I would say it's the really rich experience of it is going through those little towns and meeting the people in those communities. No. So, so do you have any advice for any other, um, you know, kind of creatives in that space who, who find they enjoy, they're passionate about something, but want to combine it with this other like skill they have, whether it's, you know, like 
art or filming or writing any any tips like that is it just keep doing what you love and find a way or any tips there i would say that it's it's not even an option anymore you have to have that because there i think that nowadays there are so many people doing video and film um that you you can't be a generalist anymore i think it's going to be harder and harder so you have to have a reason for why people would be hiring you and so I think it's really important to develop a certain, either a certain style or uh, a passion for some aspect or subject matter that you are an expert in or that sort of gives the clients a reason to find you. Yeah, because I do think, especially as, um, you know, more and more people are doing, it's almost like filming is becoming like some ways the new writing in terms of when you look at the digital space, how much content is going on online, whether it's in the multimedia format, that it's almost like, you know, you need to be able to know how to speak, you need to know how to be able to read, write, and then also, it's like you need to be able to know how to produce content in this the digital format, um, and you can express it in some way, but there's going to be a lot of people, it's no longer like, hey, you're the guy who films and does everything at once, if you want to really stand out, um, in, especially when you look at the US, where there's so many people, it's easy to get access to people, they're online, um, you're, probably just, you're just not really going to go anywhere if you don't um, focus on just getting good at something in particular. Right. No. Cool. And so so what's on the horizon for you uh, next? Do you think you'll still keep in? Uh, is there, are there any particular cities you're going to next that you're excited about or anything that's on the horizon? We're about to release a film that we produced for Binghamton and the Triple Cities in sort of central New York, uh, Johnson City, Endicott, and Binghamton. And um, amazing story of these three cities that had a similar kind of trajectory as Buffalo. They, um, Endicott was the home of IBM, and Johnson City was the home of the biggest shoe company in the world at one time. And so there's just a, an amazing story of a very innovative place that had a booming economy and then um, hit hard times, and now they're on their way to sort of a, the beginnings of a comeback. And... So we're telling a, uh, their story and trying to create a film that will capture that, but also catalyze it because it's not the story isn't written yet. No, they're they're still very much in the in the struggle, and so we're trying to create a film that kind of captures that and provides that little boost of inspiration. So that's probably the very next uh, film that's going to be released. I mean, besides the ongoing Buffalo work that we're doing, yeah. Yeah, has that been something you still just kind of kept on um, doing, just kind of constantly as a portion of your time, the Buffalo Niagara stuff? Yep. Um, been working with Visit Buffalo Niagara, like I said, now for like 10 years. And usually two or three films a year. This year we're producing films that focus on the music scene here and then the food scene. So there's always kind of different topics that we take on each year. Okay. Yeah, no, Buffalo is home of the, the Buffalo Wings, um, the Anchor Bar. How, how many times have you filmed in there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, three or four times. Three or four but, times. But we try to spread the wealth and help make Buffalo known for its other. You know, one of the remarkable things about Buff Buffalo is the utter lack of chain restaurants. I mean, people here don't even know how good they have it. I mean, you can drive around downtown all day and you'll never see an Applebee's or a Denny's. I mean, we have hundreds and hundreds of mom and pop or chef owned and operated restaurants, all unique, all, 
you know, cooking with love and passion and with their specialties. And it's a truly an underrated eating city. Michael and Jane Stern, who wrote the famous book Road Food and continue to travel and write about food, um, they said that Buffalo is probably has more unique specialty foods that they're known for than any other city in America except for New Orleans. So to be ranked even within the realm of New Orleans as a food city is doing pretty good. I'd yeah, say. That, that is pretty good. And well, and too, I think I feel like at least Buffalo feels a little bit cheaper than some of the bigger cities like DC or New York in terms of in terms of cost. Oh yeah, I think that every, everyone knows that. Yeah, Brooklyn, Bay Area, Seattle um, have become notorious for, and the cost of living in Buffalo is, you know, much more favorable. I noticed in a lot of your your pieces, there are just some like absolutely gorgeous uh, time lapse uh, shots, and so um, usually I don't like to geek out too much of the gear. But like, what was that process like for you of, of doing those all those shots of developing a style? Like, what is, can you talk about your process a little bit? Sure, um, I had seen a lot of time lapse films come out, and that's just a cinema cinematography technique that has gotten very popular recently, and with new devices with motion control and just the stuff you can do with time lapse. Is amazing, and I was admiring that and wanting to do one in Buffalo. Visit Buffalo Niagara funded me to do one, and then uh, University of Buffalo funded me to hired me to produce another film for them for the Venice Biennale um, for an exhibition in Venice. And the time lapse shots they were looking to do was just on a whole nother level, and we had to build and invent rigs to do the shots they wanted. I mean, one hundred foot long slingshots over massive architecture labs and then you know 180 foot time lapses rolling on dana dolly and just figuring out the engineering behind all that was stressful but it was fun and um so i in the in the context of doing that acquired a lot of expertise and equipment in doing time lapse but you're right you should never geek out about this stuff it should always serve the story i think that's the important part and I've always, um, throughout my entire career, I've always tried to uh, be on the cutting edge of innovation in terms of what camera tools are available and being developed and new techniques. But the techniques should never just be um, for their own sake. They should serve somehow the creative strategy and the story. Um, so that's kind of like what I like to say about time-lapse and that goes for, you know, drone, you know, in my career, drones have come along and area, we've seen aerial shots and we've seen how people can almost overuse them now. Yep. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, we're always looking at the new techniques, what new tools are out there, try and employ those, but in a way that really uh, serves the story. No, that's a good point. So to what extent do you, as you're thinking through all your planning, do you think through strategy, what you want to accomplish versus necessarily trying to rely just on like eye candy shots? And so how, how do you make sure that the shots that you get increase the narrative versus just like look flashy? Uh, well, I think it's important just to start with creative development. So you go through a phase in any production where you spend that time, you know, I would say if you, if you, um, have a calendar or a deadline for film for us. Usually, you know, if there's three months or a year, depending on how long you have, I, I like to mark off like a third of that just for creative development, thinking through, okay, what is the strategy? What is the script, the concept and perfecting that? 
before we pick up a camera and go shoot. No, that's actually really helpful to know. So, um, yeah, so I'm assuming too, when it came to, um, developing the, the visit, the Buffalo piece that had a million uh, views. Um, yeah, it wasn't just, Hey John, we need you to get some cool shots of Buffalo. Um, all right, just go. Like, what was that process like? Um, it started with a treatment and a story really. Um, so we had that dialed in and nailed and, um, before you did the filming. Oh yeah. I mean, we had that even to raise the money for it. And then when it came to doing the filming, yeah, we had that treatment and and story outline. We knew the story arc. And so that guided the interviews and it guided the type of shots that we were going to get. Yeah. Wait, so you you raised an interesting point that you needed the, like the treatment outline in order to raise money. Cause I think sometimes I, I talk to people who, um, you know, they're wanting to raise money for a concept, but they don't have it down on paper yet. Well, and I think it's sometimes hard to pitch ideas that are still in your head, but not down, down on paper. How true do you find it is that you need to get that, that script or really a clear concept before people will give you money for something? Yeah, I think for, on, on that case, we were looking for, uh, we had to have something to raise money with. So that was a little bit different than uh, uh, that one we were trying to line up sponsors for versus a, a client job. But in some cases, uh, you're working with a client who doesn't have all the money for something, but they have something to put up front. Um, and so what you're saying is you can in some ways work with them. You know, obviously they paid you to create the concept that then they said, Hey, we're, we're going to go pitch this to somebody else. Like kind of like together. Was that what that the arrangement was or they were going to pitch it? In that case, I came up with the concept and said, I need this amount of money. And, um, I went around looking for different entities to k- put up part of it. Oh, okay. I see. So they kind of had bought, so I had a story already ready. But that's different than if you're going to a client and they're saying, hey, we need a promotional film for our city. Then I'm going to come to them and say, okay, well, here's here's the process. We have to do creative development to figure out your story and how we're going to tell it. And there's work that goes into that and a process for that. And so that costs this much. And then we shoot it and then we edit it and that costs this much. So it's all rolled into a project price. Okay. So, so do you find then that with uh, the piece, like Buffalo, America's Best Designed City, was that really your idea before, um, before the client came to you? It really was. So the client, um, that wasn't client-driven. That was a concept I had, a film I wanted to make. And I felt like, it, I felt like there were entities and organizations that would fund it. So I went and pitched it. And we did it that way. Okay. Well, and I, I think too... I just always find that the vision is so important for something to succeed um, is that, you know, it's really hard to produce something that's going to be amazing when it's kind of like directed by bureaucracy or like this huge group of people. And um, when there's not someone really who has the idea, who imagines what it can be. So to what extent do you feel like the, its success was owed to the fact that it was something you were excited about and something that you saw in your mind before anyone else saw it? I think that's a huge part of it. I mean, if, if they had just, someone else had come with like, hey, we need a video for this conference. What do you think, John? Like, would it have turned out as well as if something that you were just extremely passionate about and then went out and pursued? Maybe not. I mean, you never know, but I don't think so. And the, the, other reason, the other thing I would say to that is that I developed a story arc that did talk about, like we were saying before, the mistakes the city had made. You know, having a story arc that actually shows the tragic elements too, which typically a chamber of commerce type organization would shy away from even mentioning in a film. And when I first screened the film for the different sponsors privately, 
to like get there okay or sort of um i really expected them to tell me to take that midsection out take the tragedy out just remove it we love the film it's beautiful but you got to take out that that <laughs> shot of like the bad stuff yeah um i really did i was prepared for that um i didn't want them to but i was prepared but you know it's amazing to me that they didn't they just they got it they watched the film they they experienced the emotional story arc and they just said this is great to their credit i mean yeah now going back to like beautiful shots versus how does that serve the creative strategy the story one we wanted to tell about why buffalo was the best planned city in the world there were three elements to that made it the best designed city that was its um geographical setting on the water on the lake i mean and that was just something we wasn't man-made it was god-made um and but that's a part of it um that's what makes buffalo just this amazing place we sit between the buffalo river and the niagara gorge and the and lake erie and it's just an incredible water-based setting and then the ellicott street plan and then the olmstead parks were the other two so when you're talking about the water the opening of the film think about the opening of the film it has somebody out on a boat and they're rigging their sail and then they're sailing into the city and it's sunrise over the city and it's a beautiful shot. And it, that shot ended up, you know, I captured that shot and ended up using that shot not just because it was a beautiful shot, but it, it served the story. It, it made the huge point right up front that, wow, this is a city just surrounded by water and, and an ocean of water. And that shot just in one image just gives that to you. That's an example of where, okay, yes, beautiful footage, but it's also, it's, it, it's even more impactful because it's serving the story. No, that, that's a good point to, um, to always be, yeah, like you said, making sure that it serves the story. Because I think, especially with drones, where it's, it can be tempting to just, oh, let me uh, throw some great shots, shots in here just because it looks cool, but maybe doesn't actually add anything to the story um, right. in that space. All right, great. No, well, that's a that's really helpful, and I think that's always the um, like just really encouraging for listeners is to really like find things you're passionate about, and then just really pursue it, and then um, be willing to to push things that are like your ideas, and then go out there and, and wait for the opportunity because you had this idea, but it took working with Visit Buffalo Niagara what several years until kind of everything aligned. To, to be able to actually push push your idea and find funders for it, right? Um, but it had, but you had to be in that right right place at the right time, and also a lot of hard work beforehand to get to that spot where you and trust where I'm assuming you could execute your idea, right? Because um, if you, I'm sure if you had just moved to the area and then that was like the first thing you did, uh, they might not have been ready to trust you quite that much, right? Leading up to that, we'd produce some other very successful videos. Um, so that helped, you know, build up to that. Absolutely. But then, but then once the right moment was coming, you found what you're passionate about, really push it and, and work hard to, to get that. How long did it take to get kind of the sponsors and in, in terms of working with people and getting them all on board? It took, a, it took about, I don't remember exactly, but I want to say like three or four months. Yeah. So it wasn't just a knock on someone's door. Boom. Yeah. Here's a And I, I, I didn't even have to do it all personally. You know, I give credit to some of the early people that signed up then went, went to bat for it with other groups okay. and help rope in the other people. So, 
No, sounds good. Yeah, well, John, it, um, I think that wraps up our time. Uh, it's been been great talking to you, and uh, really enjoyed just hearing some of the stories. And you know, looking forward to uh, the more the other stories you're putting out about cities. And you know, completely believe that, um, especially some of these cities that are a little down on maybe hit hit a rough rough patch. That you know, they're not going to get out of that until they can tell themselves a story of transformation. And I think it's awesome when films can do that. And yeah, and by the way, that's kind of what I really thrive on doing is is more especially the underdog cities so i'm sure orlando is doing fine um, <laughs> i'm not trying to win their business but um what i'm really looking at is what are what are some of the um cities that are not traditional destinations or cities that um are still works in progress the mid-tier cities it seems like in our media culture a certain few cities get all the attention and all time and time again. Yeah. So Brooklyn and Boston and San Francisco and, um, you know, there's just a few select cities. What about all the rest of them out there? And there, I think that we're all in competition sort of against those coastal few coastal cities. And I just want to, uh, do what I can through story, storytelling to help build up some of those other places in America. No, that sounds great. So what's the best fa- place for people to go and watch uh, these stories? So like firstdomain.com? Just Google First and Main Films or go to firstmainfilms.com. Find us there and love to talk to anybody who's interested. All right, sounds good. All right, well, thanks so much, John. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Wes, and great to see you again and connect and welcome back to Buffalo. Thank you very much. It's a great time to be in Buffalo for sure. that wraps up another episode thanks for tuning in to no fat cats so funny story so you know how some cities like new york city if you make a wrong turn uh they just charge you money so uh, a couple months ago i was in new york city and i met to turn into a parking garage and instead i uh ended up making a 16 dollars wrong turn uh, what i mean by that is i had to go across one of the bridges in in new york that i think took me to brooklyn it was eight dollars and then of course it cost eight dollars to turn around and come back well, after my recording with John, uh, my wife and kids were off playing at a park. Uh, I let them know that, hey, I'm uh, all done. You can come and pick me up. We were going to go see some friends. And uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, the GPS um, had her going across the border to Canada and turning around. So uh, before she realized it, she was on the bridge, the, the Peace Bridge to Canada. The Peace Bridge. I'm not sure what's the Peace Bridge. But she's on the bridge to Canada and, of course, showed up uh, you know, with three kids in the back car. Uh, no passports or ID for any of them, and um, apparently they said this happens all the time. Uh, but fortunately, Canada let her back. Um, they denied her entry so that the U.S. would have to take her back, and uh, she came back without any issues and a great story to tell. So when in Buffalo, uh, just make sure you don't accidentally go to Canada and always have your ID with you at all times when driving. That just makes things much easier. Um, But besides the wrong turns to Canada, definitely uh, love Buffalo, love the city of Buffalo, and um, excited to see the city continue to move forward. And I know that John is playing an important part of that. Well, join in next week for a conversation with Krista Davis as we explore what it's like to create an atmosphere of innovation and creativity. Until the next time, have a good one.